I I think like my biggest thing is the is been has been my release of control. Like you can't you can't control anything in this. You can plan, hope, you can set expectations, but you can't control any of it. And so it, it really has been about me like walking into shitty scary experiences like emotionally like anxiety provoking situations with open hands and curiosity and asking myself are you, are you sure about this welcome to normalizing non-monogamy the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult the medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy. Welcome to episode 233. We're Finn and Emma. And today we have a fantastic conversation with Miche. Miche has been married for 17 years, but she and her partner have been non-monogamous for a few of those years, the most recent years. She's also a coach with Expansive Connection, and we just have a wonderful conversation, wide-ranging conversation with her. Yeah, I, I love so much in this conversation. I think it, behind the scenes is we often cut little snippets out to, to put at the front of the episode and then to use on social media. And this is one of those that I think I had like 20 because there's just <laughs> a lot of good, yeah, a lot of good things said. So much amazing stuff. Yeah. Talking about navigating religion, sexuality, living life to the fullest and, and diving into like the hard pieces, but also the beautiful ones. So thank you, Miche, for coming on and sharing and for the work you do. Before we jump into the episode, we do have a couple of announcements. First up, a huge thank you to our entire Patreon community. It continues to grow, and we're so grateful for every one of you. If you're out there looking for open-minded people, uh, go check out our Patreon group. We have monthly Q&As, men's and women's group calls, and uh, an ongoing MeWe chat, too. We love all of you and would love more of you to join. I have a question, Emma. Yes. You just got off the women's group call. I we're, did. We're recording this Tuesday night before the episode goes live. How many How many people were on your call? We had 16 people on the call. And it, we had a whole discussion about coming out as non-monogamous to kids, to parents, to family, to friends. And it was a fantastic conversation. So come and join us for the next one. We do these calls every month. And actually you had the men's group call last night. Well, I was hoping you would ask, <laughs> ask me how many, how many people were on my call? How many people did you have on your call? Well, Emma, I had 18 people on my call. <laughs> Is it a competition? No, it's not even close. It blew you out of the water. Uh-huh. And we talked about conflict resolution. So that's just, a deep topic. It was. <laughs> so I just wanted to point out that the men's group is larger than the women's group. I don't actually know that in the in the in the MeWe chats, but maybe maybe in the on the, like on the uh, calls this month. Okay, you win that one. We're not big typers, okay. <laughs> no, I I actually really wanted to point that out because I will say when we first started this, uh, when Emma started the women's group, I said there's no way in hell anybody would show up to a men's group. I'm not doing it. And on the first one, I think we had 20, 
and that continues to be between 18 and 20 every week, every month. So that's really why I was bragging (laughs) and I'll stop bragging. And I know we talked a lot longer about the men's and women's groups here, but we also just want to note too, that we call these the men's and women's groups because we don't have a great name for them, but they are open to whatever like community you feel like you fit in. So if you're someone who identifies as non-binary, you are welcome in these spaces. Um, We just want to make that very clear. And we have had non-binary people join us and told us that they felt very welcome. So, yes. All right. We have, tooted our own horns long enough here. But well, first off, before I like, I yeah. know we've tooted oh. our own, own horns, yeah. but go True. to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com and click on the Patreon button. You'll find out more there. Yes. Thank you to, for listening to us. We also, really quick, we do have some other options for community building. If you're not wanting to get into Patreon, uh, we have a virtual meet and greet. We do these every month. Uh, the next one is on Friday, May 13th. Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th. It'll be uh, spooky themed. Uh, sure. Okay. And then coming up on September 17th, way in the future, we have an in-person event, actually a handful of them on the weekend of September 17th. So go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, click on the community events tab and there. You'll see an option for virtual events. You can learn about the meet and greet or you see in-person events and you can learn about New Orleans. Also, we wanted to mention that back on episode 228, we interviewed Layla of the Curious Girl Diaries podcast, and we actually went on her show as well. So she had an episode that was published on March 26, 2022, and she interviews us. So links will be in the show notes. Go check out and you can listen to some of our story. Yeah. And sorry, it took us so long to let you know about that. <laughs> we we wanted to make sure it stood the test of Anticipation. time. Anticipation. Yeah. yeah. Well, we were going to tell you all about how amazing stdcheck.com is here in the intro and how you can save $10 <laughs> uh, if you use the links on our website and that helps promote the show. And, and how amazing it is and yeah. how easy and simple. But we'll do that in the outro. Um, and we will see you after this conversation with Miche. A quick reminder, on our website, you can contact us, reach out to us, send us a voicemail, send us an email if you'd like to come on the podcast, or if you have any questions, comments for us, we'd love to hear from you. And now... Now, we're, now we're actually going? Now let's go. The last time was the false start. Right. All right. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Miche. We're excited to talk to you today and hear more about your journey. So welcome. Hi, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Would you mind starting by introducing yourself for us and the listeners in whatever like form you're or in level you're comfortable with? Okay. Um, my name is Misha and I am on my own ENM journey. Um, and you might have heard me in other podcasts being connected to expansive connection as a coach. And what does what is your ENM journey like? We're gonna go back in time and figure out what it's looked like, but where does it stand today? Today it stands as like, it stands on a continuum. Like I think we kind of jostle back and forth between lifestyle type events and situations. Um, And we stay pretty like more heavily in poly. So yeah, more polyamorous relationships with some swinging in there too. Yes. Yeah. 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 Awesome. So what, when did you first learn about non-monogamy? 
Um, as a Christian, I would like to say from the very beginning, like, did anybody pay attention to the first five books of the Bible? Um, and then had lots of questions, but the first time I actually thought about it being a possibility, I distinctly remember being in school when I lived in England, it was like a small village school and I had two girls came in. They only came for like three subjects and I was like, remember when they were like, scarves on their heads and they had full length dresses. And I was like, who are you guys? Where are you? And how do you only get to be here for three hours? I went in on this and they both ended up telling me that they had different moms and the same dad. And, um, they were fundamentalist Mormons and, um, it's probably not the proper way to say that. Um, and, uh, they were best friends. And I was like, this stuff still exists. This is amazing. So that was my very, very first, like, aha, like this is different and like, it's okay. And they're happy. Um, and you were a teenager at this time, probably. No, I was probably, I was in elementary school. So I had to be like, maybe oh, third wow. grade, maybe. Okay. Third grade, yeah. Um, so that was the first one. And then I've always just been really curious about the way people do families and how they do partnerships. Um, and so when I was in college, I did a lot of studying on how we do relationships and the women's roles and freedoms within them and partnerships with other people, mainly their spouses over like this expansive time and cultures and stuff like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And really quick, just before we keep going, um, you kind of said we, we dabble in lifestyle, but also in polyamory. Uh, do you have a primary partner at the moment? Just so we can kind of know what like your relationship structure looks like and see where we're coming to. That makes sense. Um, yes. So I'm married and I've been married for probably like 17, 18 years now. Um, yes, I should probably do math. I can't do math. It's like 17 years. <laughs> We've known each other ever since we were in high school. And um, he has someone that he's currently talking to. And I have someone that I'm dating. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Thank you. And so after... After you meet the Mormon girls in, in elementary school, where 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 does this pop back up for you again? Um, I think because my um, I think because my parents like 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 a lot of people that like my parents divorced and then they all got like they both got remarried and then I also was introduced to other cultures where people would get divorced, well, not get divorced, they would separate, claim someone else as their wife, but there was never like a legal separation and family still happened. And so I realized in high school that there was a, there was a flexibility of thought around what relationship looked like. And I didn't really have a place to put that yet. But, sure. um, but I, I think that's always been there. So like, I remember when my husband and I got married, I was like, listen, if you ever decide to have a midlife crisis, do not like decide to hide that shit from me. Like bring me alongside. I want a midlife crisis too. Let's figure this out together instead of you like running off into the sunset. And that was, I think that was the very first like seed that was planted into the idea that we could have flexibility around what marital constructs could look like for us. Mm -hmm. And how did he respond to that? Like, was it clear that you were talking about like, Hey, if we're 50, don't run off with a 22 year old, you know, hot new thing. Like, mm -hmm. let's talk about it. Was he clear on what that meant? And like, how did he, 
How did he receive that? Um, I think he received it really well, I think. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> like he also has that plasticity of thought because his dad had a couple of other wives as well. And I don't want to like tell his whole story for him, but like he, he monogamy and the binary construct of one man, one woman for the rest of your life was not something he grew up with. So, sure. um, I think the, I, I think the leap wasn't something he went into our marriage thinking I'm going to make that leap, but it wasn't out of the realm of possibilities because it was already done. Mm-hmm. Not done ethically, but done. <laughs> right, right. Right. He, he had that. He had some exposure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And where did that, I guess, take you to in your relationship? It actually wasn't a thing until one day. I don't know if you guys have seen this show. You probably have, but like this, um, it was called Suicide Girls. It used to come on HBO, I think. Maybe you guys know. We have we not, have not seen, seen it. it. Okay really fucking hot girls on this show. And I remember us looking at each other and there was like this moment where we were like, is this hot for you? And I was like, yeah, this is a little hot. And he was like, Hmm, this is, this is interesting. And so like I filed my information away, he filed his information away and we were like, we're not talking about this. Um, and I think pretty much from like that space on, I went into like grad school and decided to <laughs> pursue therapy and counseling, but I wanted to do it where I specialized in sex therapy. And as I did that, you can't do it without doing your own work. Um, and I had to face some hard truths about myself, answer some questions, be honest about relationships I'd had in the past. And literally I was sitting, um, going through my book, doing homework or whatever. And I got to like this whole paragraph where they were talking about like lesbians and thought processes and questions. And it was like, the clouds parted (laughs) and like sun came down. And I remember thinking in that moment, like all these relationships that I'd had in the past that were really kind of like, there was a huge question mark that I couldn't answer. It was like, Oh, that's what that is. And so I was like able to let go of resentments and anger I'd had on relationships that I didn't understand why they ended. It was, it was me. Um, because I didn't fully understand myself or accept myself because there were certain things that were just out of my realm of accessibility, self-love and acceptance Mm -hmm. um, at that time because of the way that I had been raised, which was very like religious and, you know, in the military and it's like regimented and things like that. So um, when that happened, it was like everything. Yeah, you coming to terms with your own sexuality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you are you open to talking a little bit more about like what those what those revelations were and then how they sort of informed how you move forward with your husband? Yeah. Um, there is like this one particular relationship that I had in college um with a friend of mine. And we had gone from literally being like best friends in high school to best friends in college. And I remember like she got a boyfriend and having some serious problems with that because I was very happy when it was me, her and Alan, that was my happy place. And the idea of sharing her with anybody else 
pissed me off, but I had no understanding of where to put it. Like this didn't make sense, but I was still really mad. Um, and it went beyond friendship, but I didn't know where to put that. Um, and so like just our relationship basically fell apart because I didn't have language or understanding for what was going on because I could, I couldn't admit it to myself. I didn't know what it was. I know that sounds weird, but I didn't. And when I realized at the table, like reading through my book and everything kind of fell in place for me, I actually sent her an email and like apologized for being like a raging bitch. Um, and like, <laughs> we should have been friends. I didn't explain why I was just like, I wasn't ready to forgive you all those years ago. And I'm like, super sorry. And so that was really good. But I was able to turn to him and be like, I, I think I'm bisexual. And he was like, yeah, I've been trying to figure out a nice way to tell you that as well for a really long time. <laughs> he's like, I have, I've always felt like there's been something missing. And he's like, that feels like exactly where you are. So it was really nice to hear my personal experience and vulnerability reflected back to me in such a positive light. Like I didn't know where to put this. And he was like, yep, that's it. Makes sense. Um, and that was kind of like the trajectory into ENM. Not that we started there, but we kind of started to think, what does that look like? What does this information look like now? And how does it affect our marriage? Which yeah. took three years, took three years, people took three years. <laughs> and that's not very long in the scheme of things. Just, just we've talked to some people where it's decades. So yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. Um, and just to clarify or to, to maybe make sure I understood the, the, the relationship you described with this other woman, your husband and you, that was sort of just like a really close friendship. You, you had not crossed over into like, this was a triad and you yeah. were mm -hmm. hooking up. It was just like, we, you didn't know what it was. You knew it was more than a normal friendship, but not, you hadn't moved into any other realm because you didn't know they existed. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Got mm -hmm. it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense. So where, then once you have this re revelation and you said it took three years to kind of go down this path, can you s describe those three years for us and what that looked like for you two? Oh, lots of talking and lots of me being like, hell no. And Alan being like, no, 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 we can do this. And I'm like, we are going to burn the house down, put the matches down, put them down. And he was like, but what if I light it? So, um, it took a lot of me being like, no and no, and him working on me. But the, the, the sentence we kept coming back to is like, what happens if we're 60 and we look back at this time and realize we wasted all of this because we were scared. And I do not like that idea. I do not like the idea of not living life to the fullest. Um, having fun is like a fundamental core value to me. And when the marriage stops being fun, do we still do marriage? Um, so how do we live out loud? How do I make sure that I'm not full of regrets later on or that I realize somewhere along the line that my marriage isn't enough? I don't want to get there. So, right. Yeah. Right. And what was, what was the core fear that was, like you said, you don't want to burn the house down. Mm -hmm. Like that's a, what, 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 what was the core fear in there that you were afraid if you pulled the trigger on this, if you went and explored this, what, what was the fear of what would happen? It sounds like the fear of not doing it is like, Hey, I don't want to miss out on life, mm -hmm. but there was something that was like preventing that leap from happening. Oh yeah. Like we're both 
children of divorce. My biggest fear was that we would like get divorced. And I did not want to hear people being like, well, if you hadn't done this, you know, you'd probably still be together. Um, You think, you think people would say that? (laughs) Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, (laughs) So, um, and, and I'm, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not good at being completely separate. Like I'm not good at having separate lives. So there would be a certain point to me being E&M where the people who are like my heart people would know. And I had to also come to terms with that around the same time that I decided to be fully E&M because that's part of who I am. So if you're really going to be my heart friend, like you have to know that and accept that part of me. Um, mm-hmm. And so that also felt like a really scary scary thing as well yeah Yeah. when you say heart friend you mean like a really close close friend yeah like like the people you go and vent to about your husband but you know that they're never going to like see them any differently and they're going to love you and love your kids like right i've got covid like you're gonna send me something you know like those people yeah yeah. And just to clarify to everyone, ENM, we're just talking about ethically not ethical non-monogamy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Or if they've listened to 230 some episodes. But maybe this is I'm, the first one they click on. I'm well <laughs> All right. So does Alan put the matches down or do you do you light this bitch on fire? How do we do this? Um I kinda I kinda we, we lit it on fire. Um we took a deep breath. And, and jumped in. We actually had a friend who jumped in first and I was like, I'm just going to sit here and eat some popcorn. Let me know how the water is. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I was really inspired by her fearlessness, um, and her ability to just be curious. Um, because I, I am definitely the type of person that wants, I want all the books. I want to research it. I want to map it out then let's, let's do a PowerPoint presentation on it and then do a little survey. And she was like, balls in, let's go. And I was like, you scare me. So, um, I watched her and, um, realized that it was just fear. Um, and if I sat in curiosity, not only would I like myself better, but I'd probably like my spouse better instead of having like all these made up thoughts in my head. Um, that helped. Yeah. And so was this, it sounds like the timeline then was maybe a couple of years out of college. So maybe like early to mid twenties. Did I get the, the timeline right on this? Like where, where you've, you've had the realization that, that you're bisexual sometime in college. And then three years later, you kind of are like, I'm just trying to understand the timeline. That's oh yeah. Awesome. No, no, no. Okay. This has all happened really recently. Um, so the timeline is that we've had the plasticity of thought since we got married, mm-hmm. like, like in our early twenties. Okay. And then, um, that kind of got put in the shelf behind like career building and kids. And it was during the time that I was a stay at home mom. And for anybody who knows me sitting still is like, like, what is it? The dark night of the soul. Um, <laughs> so I had a lot of those. <laughs> Um, so, um, it was during that time that I recognized that that's what this was a little bit and didn't get like the affirmation until graduate school. So in my mid thirties, got it. Okay. Um, and so I didn't actually start doing anything like putting action behind ENM until like 
the last bit of 2019. Okay. I, I understand. I, right I, before I, the pandemic. Right yeah, before the I pandemic. Understand. Great time. Yeah. Yeah. I may, I was making the assumption that grad school happened shortly after undergrad and there was obviously a gap there. So my, my apologies for that assumption. So this is all new then. Mm -hmm. So this is all a very new, exciting thing. Um, Scary. Scary. That too. Yeah. And so you've got, you, you watched your friend jump in. How did you and Alan then start to tiptoe into that? pond pool ocean whatever it is yeah turbulent turbulent water, water. <laughs> <laughs> well i don't this is probably not everyone's story but mine is that he let me go first because of how much fear i had on it mm-hmm. we have we are completely different people like such different people but he has a really great way of holding grace and loving with open hands in a way that i do not have um i want to tie down the hatches and secure it all. And so I started dating for, I think I dated probably for like eight or nine months before he was like, okay, me too. I think that's probably one of the most selfless things he's ever done. And it made me love him more. And it gave me the security to know that like, we not only could we talk about just about anything, but when he said he wasn't going anywhere, he actually, he actually meant it. So, mm-hmm. right. And during that, that eight or nine months that you were dating, did when you two laid out like how we're going to move forward, you said he let you go first. Did you two talk about like what that's going to look like? Hey, and I'm not putting these words in your mouth, but like mm-hmm. you can do this, but only with other women or no sex or no kissing or like we know there's this mm-hmm. gamut of rules that people can oh, lay yeah. out there. What was the agreement of like how you were going to do this? So, like, you felt safe and he felt safe. Yeah. So I came with like a legal pad and a pin, you know, and he was like, mm, no, <laughs> I was like, no like, seriously, all the rules, we've got to do the rules. And he was like, mm, no, no, let's just, let's see what happens. And I was like, you are scary. I was like, do not expect me to be like no rules when it's your turn. Like I don't operate that way. Um, so it's actually been really interesting because as as he's, as he's learned and played a little bit more, he buffs against my desire for rules, which is really just based in fear. Um, and then, and then I have to sit with myself in that really uncomfortable space and go like, is this fear talking or is this me feeling like this is actually a boundary that I need? So our rules are, are like three or four, three or four rules, maybe, maybe. But he is definitely more, I say that in saying that he's way more comfortable with me being with women than he is with me being with a man. Um, And I haven't met a dude yet where I was like, you could get it. So Mm -hmm. that's also kind of helped. Um, But I'm not closed off to it. And we are always in conversation about that, about what that Mm -hmm. would look like if I did meet somebody that I actually wanted to be intimate with or to build a relationship with and they were a male. So mm-hmm. just to be clear, it. to be clear, he's dating other women, mm-hmm. not other men. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're still working on tra- trying to figure out how that works for both of you. Yeah. Yeah. So we still have some, some growth to do around that. It hasn't been that we haven't played with other dudes. It's been the relationship aspect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. And, and the, I think that's a good point too, though, that like, 
there is a difference between the swinging world or the casual lifestyle world mm-hmm. and the poly world. How, for you two, how do you compare and contrast those and like um, how you've done that? Like, and there are differences. Mm-hmm. How do those differences show up for you two? And is one maybe easier to navigate than the other? Um, poly is very hard to navigate for me. Um, but there's also like a really great reward sometimes in it that I guess makes us keep coming back for more. I don't know. Maybe I'm glutton for punishment, but I really enjoy relationship building. It's just inherently part of who I am and what makes me happy. I think for him, the joy really is leans heavier in, in swinging or the lifestyle, like the idea of having this really great sexually fueled chemistry experience and then living off that juicy high for a little bit. And that's good for him. Um, or having like a girlfriend that you see occasionally because he wants, there's other things he wants to do and he doesn't want his focus too divided. Um, meanwhile, I'm like, dude, I can handle a couple relationships at the same time. I just have a bigger emotional bandwidth. And he's like, Oh, this is a lot. (laughs) Um, that's kind of, kind of how it shows up. Um, but it could also evolve and change. So I'm not like really stuck to the way that things have, have been for us, which is also pretty cool. Cause it helped. I learned more about him. It's also a little terrifying because I like roadmaps. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And with, with Polly, sometimes you think you've got a roadmap, mm-hmm. but, but the other person in your relationship or the other two, three, four people in your relationship all think they have a roadmap and your maps might not all be going the same place. Nope. That's not always fun. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You could all have a map, but maybe they're not the same map. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of like waiting around for direction or, um, trying to figure out how to make a new map or, um, which parts of your map can change. There's a lot of that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The co- co-creating a map together, right. Is it's that's big work when it's two people in a marriage, right. Yeah. Where are we going to take this life together? And now you add in a third or a fourth or more, mm-hmm. it gets, it gets exponentially harder. I believe yeah. as you add, it, it's not like a linear progression. Like, Oh, this is a little harder. It's like, whoop, it just got way harder. Definitely, definitely. I've definitely, yeah, we've definitely been in some places before, especially with relationships that I've had where um, I've called like my best friend, but like, I'm done. I'm not Polly today. I'm not EM. Like, we're not doing any of this. Like, I'm just, I'm just a single person entity. I'm in a monogamous relationship today. That's what this is. Um, which isn't true because if I'm in the relationship, I'm in the relationship. But um, there's definitely days where you wake up and you're like, mm, this is a lot. Yeah. How do, how do you how do you work through that? Cuz yeah. I believe that that experience you just explained um there's probably some people that are nodding so hard that their heads and necks hurt. <laughs> like us? I'm not nodding. <laughs> just, just kidding. <laughs> I just asked the question. I'm a, I'm an impartial mm-hmm. unbiased spectator. Um I've had really good fortune with the people I've dated where I stayed up front that, um, I'm an introvert. 
um, to, to a really good extent. And there might be times where I just need, I just need a, a day of space. And so that has been from the beginning, like a good groundwork. And so there'll be days where I'm just like, dude, it's not feeling it today. I'm going to need it. Like I'm going to need a day. Um, and I try to keep those to a minimum. I'm also not the best at giving those either, especially if I'm really invested in the other person. I just want to poke a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think having that in the framework of being like, okay, today I can't do poly. I'm not saying the whole week, I just can't do today. I think it's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And being honest and upfront about that. And you said like, you sounds like you're setting that expectation at the beginning of the relationship too. So they know that this is a possibility. It's not like you're th- like, you know, throwing it out there mm-hmm. the last minute type thing. Yeah. 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 But, and like you said, it's hard sometimes to give that in reverse, but also you have to, you have to work on that because it's like, okay, well, if I'm asking this person to do this for me, I should probably offer them the same thing. <laughs> No, I literally just asked somebody if they needed space because they're having great, they're going through a hard time. And they were like, yeah, no, space sounds good. And I'm like, damn it. Now I actually have to give space. And it's been hard. I am not the best, but I offered. So, um, yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, I think that is also very relatable. Uh, the, <laughs> the ability or the sometimes the want that you want from other people is not something you have the capacity to give. Mm -hmm. And so like almost exactly like what you told Alan, like, Hey, like I understand that you don't need rules, but like when it's your turn, like rules are coming. Um, so like, at least you were upfront about it, right? You weren't like, Oh yeah, totally don't need rules. And then he's like, all right, I'm thinking about doing this. And you're like, here's the legal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But he was, he's, he's really great. He's like, no, that's not going to work. That's awesome. I, like I, I love hate his uh, self assuredness, and then his trust in the fact that I'm not going anywhere. If he's like, I'm, I'm not following any of those. You know what I mean? Um, that's also like <laughs> that's a me problem, and the only we problems are the ones that are like, no, no, no. Like this is serious, um, and and it, re- it requires me to do my own work, which is I think the point of him being like, no, it's like, no, you need to do your own stuff. It's good. Yeah. 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 But do you, it keeps you in check. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel though, like at this point, if you were to say like, Hey, or if either one of you were to say like, Hey, you know, we gave this a good try, but like, I, I can't do it. Like I, mm-hmm. I either need more rules or I need something different. And if you two were to both look at it and go, I need ABC and he's like, well, I need DEF. And you're like, I don't have that. And he doesn't have ABC. Like, Mm -hmm. do you think you're at a place where you would both be like, okay, well, let's, we're just going to put it down and walk away. And like, that was a good chapter in our life, but we're, we're onto something new. Oh yeah. I don't think so. Um, I think we would just continually try to work to a place where we both feel as though it's, it's good enough. I mean, this, this path, like it's not, not for people who don't like to be challenged, you know? And I think we both enjoy a challenge, but more than that, it's given me, it's given me a part of my, my spouse that I don't think I would have without being in him. Like he has to talk to me about his feelings. He wants to talk to me about his feelings now. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> he uh, has to negotiate. Um, and these are all things that can really be taken for granted after you get married. Like I feel like there's a lot of that in the dating stages. And then as life happens and you get older and learn each other's rhythms, there's so much that we take for granted. I, I took for granted or that, um, that you can brush to the side. Cause like this person doesn't go anywhere. I wake up now knowing that like my husband literally is choosing me every single day. And that feels way better than going back to being monogamous. And so I don't really think so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It opens up that, I don't know. um, It's almost a different level of confidence in your relationship because it takes it from the security of a, well, if in a monogamous relationship, sometimes that, that security is taken for granted. Mm -hmm. And this in having knowing that he chooses you every day, mm. it helps. I don't know. In my from my perspective, helps solidify some of that um, security there. Yeah, yeah. It's a different kind of security, right? Yeah, I like. Yeah. That. You made the comment that in a monogamous relationship, when maybe something hard comes up, and you, or maybe it's been a perennial problem, and you can just. Ah, I'll brush it. I'll brush it off to the side. We'll we'll deal with that tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And tomorrow sometimes never comes. Yeah. What like in your opinion, what do you why do you think that you can't do that in a in a non-monogamous relationship? Because like I like I, I don't disagree with you, but I, I can also see it where you're like, well, this this isn't working, but like, man, I really love this person, I really love this person, and we're all having fun sometimes or most of the time, but like let's not deal with that bullshit. Cause like, I, I, I want to just enjoy it. But w- what's the difference between like, you can't brush that off, but you can, you're able to like back burner stuff in monogamy. I think because e makes you see yourself. And that's like the hardest thing to do because like when you're for me, when I was in just doing monogamy, like I got really good at figuring out how to hide my own like attachment issues or insecurities and just do a dance. It was a very well scripted, well thought out marital dance. And now, and then, I mean, vice versa, he learned how to do the dance too. Um, mm-hmm. And so when you add more people, they're like, that's, that's a step off. Or they're like, I don't, I don't particularly like the way that you you particularly did that like kickball chain. Like I don't like any of it and you can't hide from it. Um, and you can't dance your way around it, especially if other people are pointing it out. And then I take all of that constructive criticism or the feelings that it dredges up for me. And I like talk to him about it and, um, he'll be like, Oh, we had this like conversation literally like last night. And he was like, yeah, you used to do all of that. And I was like, Oh my gosh, what are you talking about? And he was like, Oh, I'm so glad you see this. I'm so glad you see these patterns. He's like, because if I had tried to tell you what it was, you would have been like, that's not true. Um, but you can't not see yourself. And sometimes there are things that he does that I'm so happy that the other people are telling him and it's not coming from me. Like I can hug them. Like where, where is your person? Let me hug them. Cause I don't have to do the work today. And it's, it's kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they can, and it's almost, 
you can hear things sometimes differently from another person than yeah. you can maybe someone you've been in a relationship with for a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like that too. Like the, the thought, I think for me, what, what kind of comes to mind is like the idea that like, yeah, for, for however long you, you and Alan, it was just the two of you or just me and Emma. And you get into these patterns where you're like, well, I don't like it. He doesn't like it, but you know what? It's good enough. We'll just kind of like muddle along. We got mm-hmm. other shit to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to really worry about that. And then somebody else comes into the picture and all of a sudden they're looking at like going, what the fuck is this? Like, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't okay. Like, I'm like, you can't do that to me. And you're like, you know, I've been doing that for like 17 years. Uh-huh. What's your problem? Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. And they're yeah. like, yeah, no, you're, you're not doing that with me. And so now you're like, well, shit, what do I do? Do I like, I love this new person. Mm-hmm. Do I like be like, well, that's the way I'm doing it. So you can either get on board or, or, or not. Yeah. Or do you, or are you willing to like fix the problem that you knew was a problem mm-hmm. that you'd just been ignoring? And I think it's, and, and that shit's hard to undo after that long. Right. <laughs> and, and admit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's definitely brought up like all of my own attachment issues. It definitely brings up uh, my own like insecurities and I have to ask myself like, is this just how I am or is this something I want to get past? And, and, and the same for, for him, I think I've been able to hold his feet to the fire about certain things that I probably would have brushed off mm-hmm. if we weren't mm-hmm. doing this. Um, yeah. a lot of emotion regulation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and maybe along those same lines, like a question that comes to mind is like, how, how have you seen yourself grow? Right. Like you've been pushed in different ways. Like maybe what's one or two of the ways that you feel like you've really grown the last couple of years and and then the same for for alan like what are the ways you've seen him grow and i know he's not here to defend himself or to weigh in on yours so um but if he were i would ask him the exact same question about you (laughs) oh my gosh that would be an awesome question to have him answer um i'd be curious um i don't know well you can ask him tonight i will i will ask him um i actually don't know what he would think about me as far as me growing. I do know that he gets excited that he feels as though for the first time I'm able to see women from a male perspective. Um, Mm. and he says like, he's, he gets so happy. He's like, I could have never explained that to you. The the fact that you're having these issues dating women, he's like, I am so happy about this. He's like, like, it literally feels like justification to him. He's just like, yes, the stars have aligned. Um, so we have a lot of those conversations. I, I think like my biggest thing is the, is been, has been my release of control. Like you can't, you can't control anything in this. You can plan hope. You can set expectations, but you can't control any of it. And so it, it really has been about me like walking into shitty, scary experiences, like emotionally, like anxiety provoking situations with open hands and curiosity and asking myself, are you sure about this? Well, okay, let's do it. So, um, that's been, I feel like that's been the biggest space for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, And how about how have you seen him grow? Um, 
I've seen him grow emotionally. Like he has to talk about his emotions, what he's thinking, why it's bothering him. I'm not prying anymore. I'm an Enneagram four. So I just want like all the emotions, like just give them to me. Let's just soak in them. And he's like, "Eh." nobody got time for that. So (laughs) now that I'm like not having to be the catalyst for it, it feels like I'm on an emotional journey with him instead of the person like pushing the cart. And that's quite nice. Yeah. You know, and so you're not nagging, feeling like you're nagging. Yeah. 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 That's wonderful. You mentioned early on that you are a Christian and I'm curious how you, I don't know how your, your faith kind of intersects with your relationship structure uh, and sexuality. I know it's a big question. Big question. You're just trying to get me to talk for a little bit now. I'm but still it, but working it is, through that. It's a good question. Yeah. It's it's so but it's I think and the answer of I'm still working through it too is definitely valid because it's not like a mm-hmm. one sentence thing. No, not at all. Um I think that's also probably one of the reasons why it took three years for me to do this. Both of my parents are pastors. And I mean I've been raised in the I, I've been raised in the faith since I remember. I think my earliest memories are of being in church. So this like the the jump for me was literally like a year of just inner theological debate between me and God and um some friends um and also myself um <laughs> more of myself and feeling as though like am I creating a, a chasm between me and God or you know, like, can, can he still meet me on this side? And, and am I allowed to ask him to come to this side? So that it's, it's been, I've gone through a couple of different emotions with this. It's been like, you know, like I prayed about it. I never heard a no. So if I didn't hear a no, I'm going to keep going. So, um, I don't, I don't feel like you're here at all and I don't like it. Um, to where I'm at right now, which is, you know, not only do I think you're here, but I think that when I stop worrying about whether or not you're here with me, I can hear you. Um, and, and that's been beautiful. Um, and between the pandemic and exploring ENM, it also made me have to sit down and go like, what parts of faith? are actually mine and what parts of faith are my parents or societies? Um, and do I need that? Um, and so there's very much so a huge part of me that's deconstructing faith, spirituality, you know, like what does God look like when you take away patriarchy, um, colonialist constructs and um sexism or the what is it like the squashing of all sex sexuality like just like trying to cleanse the bible of it although it's like fucking throughout that whole shit i'm like did you guys read it (laughs) 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 so um yeah so that's just been it's been a good journey 
Um, and I'm also really kind of happy about it because it means I'm not stagnant. Like I don't want to be in a faith where, um, there's one rubber stamp. And if you didn't fit the rubber stamp, like you're not, this isn't for you. If God's supposed to be huge and wild and untamable, shouldn't my faith? And so that should, that should grow and change and morph. So, um, yeah, it's just required me getting out of my own way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to your point though, of like, have you guys read it? Like, have you read what's in the, you know, in the books? Like, have, have you come out and talked to your parents about this? Cause theoretically, if, if they're both pastors and they have read the Bible, they've read the Bible <laughs> and, and probably read it at least a few times. Two times so two times. <laughs> how, ha, like, how have you broached this with them and where do they stand on it? So I have not told my dad, we're not that close. We're close, okay. but we're not like that close. And, um, I think it would, he'd probably put his head in the sand. Let's be honest. Um, I love him, but he probably would. And, um, and my mom and I have always had a very, very good, uh, relationship around, um, theology, the way we look at it. Is it sexist? Is it colonialism? Is it, um, inclusive of being a woman? And so I don't, I've never been scared to challenge her on her thought processes and she has never been scared to challenge me. Um, which I'm grateful for because like, listen, I'm not, I'm not one of those people that like is scared of like questioning theology and where you got it from and like, show me the receipts and like, does that fit with other pastors, which I like because I love pastors and I want to like nurture their wonderful souls as they figure stuff out. So that's like a heart passion of mine. Um, but she's like, mm this isn't going to work. Like every like two or three months she checks in and she's like, are you still doing that thing? (laughs) (laughs) She won't call it what it is. She's like that thing. And I'll be like, yep. And I'm still pretty happy. Um, so I think we got, I think the last time we talked, we actually, um, got hung up on adultery. Like, what does it mean? Um, what, what's the context? Does it apply to this situation? And so we kind of talked that through for, um, like a couple of times. And I've also gotten to the point, which is something that Alan kind of had to walk me through, um, which is that everything, all the parts of me don't belong to the people that are in my life. And so, although I have these conversations with her, there comes a point where I'm just like, and, and this is where the gate is. I love you, but like, you don't get to come past this point anymore because where I'm at, you're, you're not willing to even go or challenge your paradigm because Mm -hmm. that would be, that might just end up being kind of scary for you as well. Um, and I'm not saying it is just saying it could be. So I've learned like there's certain parts of my story that are okay to be protected, even from the people I really love. Yeah. I, I like the way that you explain that, um, that there's certain parts of you that not everyone has to Mm -hmm. be a part of. Mm -hmm. How have you navigated, I guess, discussing this in your other circles outside of your parents? 
Um, well, the people who are my heart people, right? People you call and you're like, I got COVID and stuff, you know, those people are like, girl, I'm not surprised. <laughs> and I'm like, come on. I thought this was going to be like a revelation. We were going to bond. And she was like, you were crazy. So, um, the people who really know me, I feel like don't think this is something completely out of the scope of what I would do. And so those conversations have been sweet and kind and life-giving and really affirming, um, which is why they're my heart people. And the rest of them are my loves and my friends, but they don't get to come past the gates. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for, for explaining and sharing that all. So we've talked a bit about, I mean, you've talked about growth and challenges and how even in those challenges, you like the growth is beautiful and there's a lot of upside to it and that you wouldn't give this up, right? Like yeah. you're, you're going to keep powering through. I'm just curious, like amidst all the challenges and, and all of that, like what are maybe one or two of the things that like for you stand out as like the best, like the absolute best part of this non-monogamy journey that you've been on with, with Alan and just for yourself over the last couple of years. Mm, I think the best part has been being all of me. Like, I think I suppressed so much the bisexual piece of myself for so long. Um, and then even after knowing it, still suppressing it, that I think when I, I remember telling my, my friend, I was like, when I finally, like, not only owned up to it, but actually, like, did something physical behind it, it was like taking a corset off. I felt like I was taking a deep breath for like the first time in my entire life. And I'm really proud of myself for being able to let go of fear um, and be willing to make mistakes. And then also to admit, to be able to say, you know what, if I'm wrong, I will say I am wrong and we will keep moving on. That's That's been one of my favorites. I think the second one is living out what I, what I feel on the same, on the inside. I do believe that we have lots of love to give other people. I do believe that like we should be deeply entwined with others on some level. It doesn't have to be sexual, but I mean like just the ability to really invite people into your heart, you know, and, and not just think that, but still live it. That's, that's kind of cool too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. And and so one thing you said in there that I just want to ask about was your ability to let go of fear. Do you still get scared on this journey? Oh, hell yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. As we speak right now, I have low level fear slash anxiety because, you know, poly situations. But, um. How has the relationship with fear changed? With fear, oh, I'm no longer, I'm, it's no longer the boogeyman. Okay. Right? Like it's, it's a part of the journey. It's part of all the other emotions that I have, but it's not the scary one anymore. It's just the fear is telling you that there's something else there. It's an umbrella emotion. 
right? I think I, I had been avoiding the umbrella emotion because I didn't want to see what was underneath it. But what's underneath it is just vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Different forms yeah. of vulnerability. So, yeah. Yeah. I think one of the biggest is just being able to tell somebody that you're scared, right? Like, right. And that, yeah. sh- that changes the whole game. <laughs> it's very, very, very true. Like, oh, look, I've got all this fear. Are you going to come join me in my fear or are you walking away from the fear? I think that's the part that makes me like hold my breath a little bit. Um, But they really love you or care about you. More often than not, they're going to come join you in your fear. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, I think this has been an amazing conversation. Personally. (laughs) I do too. I was going to ask one more question. Well, then I think you should do that and we'll cut this part out. (laughs) We like to ask a fun question at the end of the interview about about any bloopers that you have had in the non-monogamy world. They could be sexual or not. Mm -hmm. And if you can't think of anything, that's okay too. Yeah. We ask the question to try to show people that it's, relationships are not always uh and if you can't think of one i'll make one up for you (laughs) and then you're just stuck with it i don't know i think like oh do like yeah okay so i don't know if this counts or not but i ended up being in like probably like two asexual relationships and didn't realize that's what this was until like six months in. And I was like, I don't, I don't know that I signed on for this. One moment. Sorry. Can we're going to get, get that? I don't door. have pants on. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's at the door bringing us toilet paper. <laughs> I have, I have underwear on. I'm just. <laughs> That's the beauty for working from home. I'm always like in pajama pants and like a regular shirt on top. Yep. So this makes sense. Well, Sorry, right in the middle of her story. Of course. I don't know. I think this makes the blooper better. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah. So you're in two asexual relationships Mm -hmm. that you don't necessarily know are asexual. All right. So so we're leaving leaving all that in. So we're just rolling. (laughs) Let's 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 pick it up because why not? Now everyone knows you don't have pants on. That's true. <laughs> this is what happened. But nobody knew. But nobody knew before that. So That's right. it's all kosher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So what's the? Well, how does this play out? Because that's that. I gotta imagine that's frustrating. Like if you are that's the person who's maybe got a higher sex drive, or it's like if it's like a one zero situation. It's mm-hmm. not like oh I've got I'm like a ten and they're like a seven. But if it's like that stark of a difference that can be a challenge well i'm i'm really big i have a very high sexual drive which i just do i'm i'm definitely the one with the higher sexual drive in my marriage um but i'm also a really patient person so i don't mind going a little slower i don't mind taking the time the emotional intimacy is really huge to me as well um but then you start like doing math and you realize like i think I think that this has only like actually happened once. Like, how did I end up here? That would probably be my blooper. Um, and then realizing I've got to like get out of this. 
Do it delicately. Yes. And trying to figure out how to say that nicely to someone when everything else is not horrible. Like it's okay. We've got a great connectivity. I just like also want to get laid. So yeah. Were you yeah. were you able to de-escalate those relationships in a way that you could salvage some of the connection, the friendship? And transition it into something that was like a better fit for the two of you? Yes. So I've tried that. It has not worked for me. Yeah. I have stopped trying. No. <laughs> Understood. Yeah. It's not always possible. I totally get that. I well, was just curious if that was a thing that had happened. Yeah. It all depends on the other person too. Mm-hmm. I mean, like some, you can try it multiple times and sometimes it might work and sometimes it might not. And yeah. 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 yeah those are my wow. does, it, does that count as a blooper? Were you guys looking for something different? Uh, we'll, we'll count it just because of the whole pants incident. <laughs> that is now part of that blooper. So, yeah. We'll, we'll count it. I won't make up anything on your behalf. Okay. Thank you. You're, Thank you. You're the scared. fact that we're in an Airbnb and needed more toilet paper, and that's the timing of it all. Uh-huh. And they and they brought us two rolls. Like, that's going to really make a difference. Okay. The rationing. So, anyway. Out. Right. Yeah. Well, you get one square a day. <laughs> <laughs> Depends how long you're. Well, we're here for a week, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, you we get don't, two squares a day. We don't two need. To, we don't need to go into this anymore. All right, back to the podcast. So, <laughs> is there anything, Michelle, that we have not asked you about that you would like to talk about? And after that, mm-hmm. we want to give you an opportunity to talk about your work and anything else that you would like people to know about how to find you and what you're up to. Okay, so I will say right now that I am not like certified any type of theological thing. So if you come to coaching and you're trying to ask me like how to theoretically back <laughs> whatever it is we are doing or on any type of continuum of ENM, I am probably not the person for that. Um I can only speak to like my journey. And yeah, from a theological me. standpoint, yeah. that's what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um so I don't want to disappoint anybody with that. The thing I have not figured out yet that I think probably Catherine has like way better. Um, Catherine's one of the other coaches and, and expansive mm-hmm. connection has a better grasp on is like doing E and M with kids mm-hmm. or doing poly with kids. Um, I am not on that level yet. She is amazing. Um, but I am enjoying trying to figure that shit out. Um, have some pretty cool kids i'd like to think that maybe they'd have flexibility of thought but we'll see fair enough yeah yeah it's it's something that is i mean thank you for admitting that like we all are trying to figure it out right Mm -hmm. at least you know we don't it's good to know the things that we don't have figured out that we're trying to figure out yeah yeah Yeah. and so if if people are wanting to reach out to you what who would be a good fit for you like where do you like sort of find your sweet spot in the in the coaching relationship ENM world? Um, I love talking about sex, obviously. Um, I also really enjoy the, the, the behind the scenes thing. Like, I, I don't know what it was. I was, it was probably because I was watching euphoria last night and I realized I'm, I'm the type of person that really enjoys everything that happens behind the scenes. Like I am not a, I don't, the production is nice. The product is beautiful. 
But what I really enjoy is all the little details that go behind the scenes and the craziness and the whirlwind of um, everything behind the curtain. And so to me, that is ENM, like building your own constructs. What does poly look like? What does being in the lifestyle look like? What does that work? What's flexible? What's set in stone? What, what are we, what are we leaving to wonder and growth? I like being able to create a flexible roadmap for people or with people, um, and just see where their head and their heart takes them. Um, and, and just sitting really firmly in curiosity. So I like building structures with people, um, but it needs to be your structure with your language, with your understanding. And I like developing that with people. So whether it is like sex or understanding like someone in the partnership has a little bit of trauma and how do we make sure that we accommodate for that part of it to make sure that there's check-ins and things like that, or, um, moving from like, I thought we were just going to be lifestyle people and somehow fell into poly. That also happens. Um, and, and then there's just people who want to stay within LS, the lifestyle and just, uh, really make sure that that's nice and, and good and everyone's happy. And that works too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if people do want to reach out to you, what's the best place to find you? The best place to find me is on our website at expansiveconnection.com. And then we're on Instagram as well. We'll put the links in the show yeah. notes. It's okay. Don't yeah, worry about that. A lot of it. Well, all of the, all of the ways to find you will be there. Mm-hmm. And thank you for coming on and sharing and sharing your story for the work you do and for being vulnerable with us. We, very, very much appreciate it. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me. It was fun. Yeah, awesome. Well, have a fantastic day. We'll talk soon. And we're back. A huge thank you to Miche for the vulnerable conversation. We had a, such a wonderful time talking to you, and we're excited to get this out there. For those of you who are interested in learning more, links to Expansive Connections site is in the show notes. Yes. Thank you, Miche, for everything. We're excited to get this conversation out there and we hope you, the listeners, enjoyed it. Yes. Man, how about that cliffhanger in the intro? (laughs) All about SCD check? Right. They're like, what is it? I don't even know. Well, (laughs) let me tell you, listeners. (laughs) If they've never listened to an episode, then maybe they don't know. Well, maybe. Or maybe they do anyway. (laughs) Maybe they skip all the intros and outros and then they definitely don't know. Then they're not listening to this. That's true. (laughs) Good point. (laughs) So the whole point is uh, the way M and I get tested for STIs, our favorite way to do so is a service called stdcheck.com. We've been using it for years and we love it. And apparently many of you love it as well. So thank you to everybody who has used it. Your support of the show is greatly appreciated. Again, you can save $10 off of a 10-panel test, which brings the cost down to $130. Wow, it's almost like we had to <laughs> re-record this part and then splice it in after the fact because you forgot again. <laughs> I didn't forget. You I just, just didn't sometimes, remember? No, I sometimes just tune out what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we know who signs us up and pays for our STI tests. No, I do that too. It's just in these intros and outros, sometimes you do the same thing. Sometimes you're just like off in your own head about what you're going to say next. And then you're like, you pass it off and you're like, oh. I was going to say something. Well, for future reference, the next thing you're going to say always is $130. Yeah. Okay. Got it. (laughs) 
<laughs> we'll try again next week. Anyway, the whole point of that is thank you in advance for using the service. Using it saves you $10, but it also helps support our show financially, making it possible for us to continue doing this. So thank you. Also, a quick reminder, go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. There you can find information on our Patreon community, the upcoming virtual meet and greet in May, and the upcoming in-person events in September in New Orleans. All of it is on our website. Also, reach out to us. Whoa, whoa, whoa. There's one more thing you can do. The links to stdcheck.com. Right. Where you can save $10 on a test, which brings the cost down to... $130! Yes! Nailed it! (laughs) All right. I think we've driven this one home. You can go to the resources page or there are links in the podcast player show notes next week. Also, Uh on the podcast page on our website, we do have show notes for every single episode. So there's lots of cool photos and information links in all those show notes. Go explore. Okay. Go go explore. Yeah. There's a lot to click around. Choose your own adventure. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Anyway, don't make fun of it. I think it's It's cool. It's going to be our new tagline. Go explore. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Well, first up, next week, (laughs) next week, we have an interview with William. He's the founder of the Bonobo Network, and we're so excited for this interview. So stay tuned, and we'll see you next week. Go explore. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.